You're listening to Ohio After Row, the story of the state's new abortion landscape. I'm Amy Eddings. People on all sides of the abortion debate are wondering what comes next. For three months, they glimpsed what would happen under a six-week abortion limit. Many abortion opponents want even tougher restrictions now that Roe is gone. Here's Republican State Representative Jenna Powell of Arcanum speaking at last year's Ohio March for Life. There is now no excuse for abortion to be happening in our state and other Republican states. Powell listed the abortion laws she'd like to see. We must pass a life at conception piece of legislation and we need to do it quickly. We need to stop chemical abortions in our state and we need to stop woke corporations from coercing employees across state lines and paying for their abortions. Powell also wants to empower citizens to sue people they believe helped someone get an illegal abortion. Her bill, HB 480, is modeled after a similar law in Texas. If that bill passes, it could lead to lawsuits against abortion rights advocates like the Reverend Terry Williams of Chillicothe. We stand in the church parking lot near his car as a lawn care guy cuts the grass. It has about 158,000 miles on it, and we'll get more miles on it uh, over the next few months, unfortunately, driving folk all over the place for abortion care in particular. His car has a purple bumper sticker that says, Had an abortion? Yes, God loves you. Williams tells people abortions are holy. Yes, yes, abortions are holy. Abortions are life-giving. Abortions are at the root of what it means to have autonomy and choice over your body. Abortions are hard to get in this part of Ohio. The nearest clinics are at least 50 miles away. Williams says some women in Appalachia choose to handle their own abortions. He lets them know how they can do so using medications available from abortion providers or through the mail. And this is what we hope people can hear out of all of this work, is that you do not have to have an unsafe self-managed abortion. The days of coat hangers should be over Williams is a member of Faith Choice Ohio. It's a coalition of religious leaders and faith communities that supports reproductive rights. It trains people how to talk to others about self-managed abortion in a manner that reduces the risk of legal trouble. We want to make sure that it's not coming across as we are directing individuals because we've already seen in places like Texas, people are coming up with all kinds of laws to criminalize the way folks can share information about self-managed abortion. Williams is not the only one bracing for increased regulations and criminal penalties. So are doctors, abortion providers, abortion access groups, and lawyers. Everyone, welcome uh, to the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association. Several attended a symposium in Cleveland one month after the Supreme Court struck down Roe and Ohio's heartbeat law went into effect. Uh, Our uh, subject for which you're all here is the legal and medical landscape of reproductive rights in Ohio after the United States Supreme Court case recently. The uncertainty was palpable. Is giving money to an abortion fund or a defense fund complicity? If a patient were to order a Lyft or an Uber to go to an appointment. Is that Uber driver, do they have a shared intent? What about frontline staff, receptionists, medical records workers, anyone who touches records, should they have concern for potential prosecution? Criminal defense attorney Ian Friedman organized the event. 
He asked Cuyahoga County Assistant Prosecutor Jennifer Driscoll when the speculation would end. As I hear you talking about what could be, my question is, how are we going to find out what is, right? How are we going to have these questions answered? I think it's when, when the first case is filed, when mm-hmm. the first prosecution is out there, and to see what people are going to, to try to do with the laws and, and what will stick and what won't stick. Doctors who perform abortions after the six-week legal limit face fifth-degree felony charges unless they can prove the procedure was necessary to prevent the death or the severe impairment of the mother. If convicted, doctors could spend six to 12 months in prison, lose their medical license, and pay civil damages and penalties up to $30,000. Friedman is developing a network of attorneys willing to represent the defendant in that first case. I've spoken to uh, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, some of my prosecutor friends that I respect, and uh, they have made it clear that there are those amongst them that uh, are chomping at the bit to bring one of these cases. So the certainty is it's coming. The uncertainty is where and how. Waiting and reacting. It's a familiar position for abortion rights advocates in Ohio. Some acknowledge they've been playing defense for years, pushing back against each new abortion restriction. The ACLU of Ohio is currently challenging six laws, including the 2019 heartbeat law in state and federal courts. Outside of litigation, supporters of abortion rights appeared divided when they talked about next steps at Trinity Cathedral Episcopal Church in Cleveland. Uh, We want to welcome Senator Brown. I want to thank all of you all for being here. Ohio's Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown convened the discussion in Cleveland a few weeks after the Supreme Court decision on Roe. uh, This is a meeting for you and for me to listen to you and Um, I only will say that um, thank you for already speaking out. Some at the roundtable said the fight for abortion rights must be part of a broader effort to expand access to reproductive health care. Alana Bell is the former deputy director of the Ohio Women's Alliance, a reproductive justice group. She says the focus should be on those who are poor, black, or transgender. So when we're talking about abortion access, I think one of the strongest things that we can do is sort of shift the conversation to say from women's rights to human rights to people's rights to our rights. Others ask the senator about the political appetite for major changes in the U.S. Senate and the Supreme Court. You know, is there a potential to overturn the filibuster? You know, can we get federal action? Lots of people. So is there any movement on adding additional justices uh, to the Supreme Court to balance what's going on here. She's talking about adding liberal justices to dilute the court's conservative majority. Pro-Choice Ohio's Kelly Copeland urged Senator Brown to secure passage of a bill that would protect a person's right to end a pregnancy and a health care provider's ability to offer abortions. We have to pass the Women's Health Protection Act. I, I know that. Yeah. You say we have to, but we don't have enough people that, that are in the Senate and House that will vote for it. And I don't I, 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 I know you understand, but of course we have to pass that. Of course we have to do a lot of things. You know, it's not. Dr. David Burkhans was there taking this all in. With all due respect to you people, things like women's rights and gay rights and all that, so that's very, very important stuff. But it isn't abortion. We have to get into the nitty gritty of how do we get women to be able to access abortion and worry about all this other stuff at another time. 
And I'm sorry if that offends you, but... Shri Thakalapati also runs an abortion clinic. She's interim executive director of preterm in Cleveland. No, that's not what I said. This doesn't have relevance to the discussion, I think, is, is absolutely not true because the very fact that you did 10 abortions this morning is hinged on people doing this hard work of figuring out what does it mean to advance a movement and whose interests are represented in that movement. Remember the other side as one. Abortion rights advocates say they need to build coalitions in order to succeed. They say they can do this work and keep clinics open. Burkhans is not so sure. I mean, that's the problem to me with the whole movement is they talk in platitudes rather than what today, to me, this meeting was about how do we get women abortions. Supporters of Ohio's heartbeat law are frustrated that a judge has put it on hold while he hears arguments over its constitutionality. In the meantime, doctors can once again perform abortions much later in a pregnancy. Katie Glenn is state policy director for Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, an anti-abortion political action group. She says the judge is thwarting the will of Ohioans. The heartbeat law was something that was debated for many years in the legislature. The public was able to weigh in over and over. It passed through the legislative process. It was signed by the governor. And now one judge says, actually, I just don't think this is good policy. That is not the role of judges. When the U.S. Supreme Court threw out Roe, it returned abortion regulation to the states and their elected representatives. Some observers of Ohio's legislature wonder how much say voters actually have. David Niven is an associate professor of political science at the University of Cincinnati. You can't study campaigns and elections in Ohio for very long without realizing that what matters more than the candidates and often what matters more than the voters is the maps that they're living under. Niven studies gerrymandering. That's when the boundaries of election districts are drawn to favor one political party. He says Ohio is one of the most gerrymandered states in the nation. Republicans have been in control of redistricting since 2001. They've drawn maps giving them supermajorities in the Ohio House and Senate. They expanded those supermajorities to historic proportions in last November's elections. This is happening even though voter preferences in statewide contests over the last decade have been more evenly split between Republicans and Democrats. If you add up all the bills that pass in the legislature of Ohio and compare that to the bills that are passing in other states' legislatures, we have one of the most conservative legislatures in the nation. It's to the right of South Carolina. Niven's research found state legislatures that were gerrymandered to heavily favor Republicans were 41 times more likely to impose strict abortion bans after Roe fell. The process is absolutely clear. You get the abortion policies that your map allows. Ohio Right to Life President Mike Gonadakis doesn't think gerrymandering has anything to do with the success of anti-abortion legislation like the heartbeat law. Just because you're Republican doesn't mean you're pro-life. Just because you're Democrat doesn't mean you're pro-choice. 
Gonadakis says it took eight years to build support for the heartbeat bill, even among Republican lawmakers. It was introduced in 2011, making Ohio the first state to consider such a ban. Republican Governor John Kasich vetoed it twice, saying it would never go into effect because of Roe. Then came the 2018 gubernatorial race. Republican Mike DeWine said he supported the bill. There's no gerrymandered lines, a statewide election. And Mike DeWine won, and he said often on the campaign trail he would sign the heartbeat bill if he got elected. So it didn't stop the voters from voting for him. They voted for DeWine last year, too, re-electing him easily over an opponent who campaigned on abortion rights. But Jen Miller says there's more to a gubernatorial election than the single issue of abortion. Miller is the executive director of the League of Women Voters of Ohio, a good government group. Ohioans, when they cast their ballot for governor, they're thinking about a lot of things, not just abortion. And so pointing to one election to say that that means the state of Ohio is pro-life, I think is, is highly problematic. Miller says Ohio's legislature is more extreme in its positions on abortion than Ohio voters are. A 2020 Baldwin-Wallace University poll bears that out. It found 51% of likely voters thought abortion should be legal all or most of the time. Only 14% said abortion should never be legal. The League of Women Voters has been fighting for fair maps in Ohio for decades. The nonpartisan group and others are currently locked in a battle with Republicans over their latest maps. They argue the maps are unconstitutional partisan gerrymanders. These maps gave Republicans their super, super majority last fall. The Ohio Supreme Court has so far sided with the league, rejecting the maps multiple times. But that could change. The court picks up the long-running case with a bench that became more conservative after last November's elections. Niven says legislation like Ohio's heartbeat law shows why this stuff matters. You know, I understand very well that gerrymandering sounds like, you know, geography as taught by accountants. It sounds like something that's really dry and re abstract and, and removed from people's lives. But the practical reality is it's at the heart of every issue that folks care about. Supporters of abortion rights know their cause has no chance in the current Ohio legislature. They want a constitutional amendment guaranteeing the right to reproductive freedom. The earliest they could put it on the ballot is this November. Dr. David Hackney is a Cleveland obstetrician who specializes in high-risk pregnancies, which sometimes result in abortions. He says the amendment could not come soon enough for his patients. We're seeing patients with fetal anomalies right now. We're seeing patients with concerning medical conditions right now, and it never stops. And what's the accumulation of grief? What's the accumulation of moral injury over, you know, weeks and months or even a year. Hackney says all-out bans or severe restrictions on abortion force some of his patients into impossible situations. He's thinking specifically of deadly birth defects like anencephaly, where there is no brain. When you have an anencephaly patient and you cannot provide abortion services and they cannot travel out of state, it's just sad and there's nothing that you can do. Hackney is optimistic people will rethink abortion restrictions once they see the harm they can cause. The whole country could potentially be 
ultimately in a better place. You know, like five years down the road or 10 years down the road, maybe from a lived experience, we'll gain an appreciation of the need for these rights and the complexities that arise when these rights are taken away. But there will be suffering to get there. Those lessons will be learned on the backs of women and other pregnant patients who have suffered. When Dr. David Burkhans looks ahead, he hopes the legal challenge of the heartbeat law is successful. In the near term, though, he thinks about that first case in criminal court. He considers a lawyer's advice to act as if everyone he encounters is wearing a wire. Eventually, what you have to do is weigh the risk and decide whether it's worth continuing. And at this point, my feeling is it's worth continuing. But if it ever gets to a point that I feel very threatened about it, I'd say, hey, sorry, but I'm not spending my golden years in the pokey. <laughs> Rita Vitali, the abortion opponent who has demonstrated outside Burkhans' clinic for seven years, contemplates what victory will feel like. You want to know what I'm going to do if that clinic closes and abortion is illegal from conception? I don't know. The Lord, it's going to be exciting for sure. The Lord will have some thing for me to do, always. We're essentially trying to change the culture of death to the culture of life. The Reverend Terry Williams, the Appalachian pastor and reproductive justice advocate, sees no reconciliation in defeat. The hope for common ground is not going to happen for a long, long while. Folk who have been the silent majority are mad as hell, and we're not going to take it anymore. And Mike Gonadakis of Ohio Right to Life, he sees the uncertainty, the anxiety, the fear, and the anticipation as part of the process of a new landscape coming into view. You know, the claims that the sky's going to fall or the sun won't rise or set are found to be not true. Um, you know, we are living in a heartbeat world now, and, and things, I think, are, are, are working accordingly. Ohio After Row was reported and written by me, Amy Eddings. Kate Smith is our editor. Wendy McManaman is our fact checker. Matthew Hancock created our music and sound design. Mike McIntyre is our executive editor. Natalie Pillsbury is our director of strategic content initiatives. Ohio After Row is a production of IdeaStream Public Media. This documentary was made possible by a grant from the Dr. Donald J. Goodman and Ruth Weber Goodman Philanthropic Fund of the Cleveland Foundation.